We open our Bibles to Romans chapter 2 this evening, and the verse we'll be focusing on is verse 4, and we'll be focusing on the the second part of it, Uh, although we will again consider the the whole of the verse for some context. We'll we'll look a little bit at uh, some things around it, but we're going to mainly focus on uh, the last phrase of verse 4. I would like to uh, begin with verse 1 of the chapter, and I'll read into verse 4. Keep your Bibles open, please. We'll go back a little bit again, and we'll look a little bit past it in our study tonight. So verse 4, but let me begin with verse 1 of the chapter. Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest... Doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and long suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Verse 4 being our text, let me read that again. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. And it's that last phrase we're focusing on, but we will consider its meaning in context. The goodness of God leadeth to repentance. You could argue, I think, in context, The intent, the purpose, the design of God's goodness is to lead us to repentance. And there's a little bit of concern here that they're missing it. May we not miss it this evening. The goodness of the Lord leadeth to repentance. This morning, in Thomas Watson's book, The Doctrine of Repentance, we focused on a section towards the end of the book, that says uh, there are some things you could give serious consideration to that will help draw you to repent. And uh, 20 things about sin, remember. And we focused on the sickening filthiness of sin. Tonight we study the second section, which is more positive, that if we would give serious consideration to it, it would also work repentance in us. And that would be consider the mercies of God. Consider the mercies of God. As we sang in Psalm 136, 26 times, His mercy endureth forever. How merciful He is to us. The natural response should be to happily repent and return to Him. And Watson gives us Romans chapter 2, verse 4, which is the text we'll be looking at this evening. I give this to you as the main idea of the verse. God's great goodness to hold off final judgment should not cause us to shrug him off in sin, but rather run from sin toward him in repentance. I'll give that to you again. God's great goodness to hold off on final judgment should not cause us to shrug him off in sin, but run from sin toward him in repentance. You know, The purpose of a parent's warning of punishment while waiting first on a response is so that the child does not end up needing to receive it. So, for instance, 
I will say more than I have to do, do you need a spanking? And I'm waiting on a response, hoping they'll repent and change, and then I don't have to. And that's often the way that the Lord is with us. He gives us time to repent so he doesn't have to punish us. And most importantly, that he doesn't have to send us to eternal punishment. He gives us opportunity. He gives us time and warnings to repent. And this is what is really the context of highlighting his goodness to us tonight. The riches of his goodness. Twice his goodness in the verse is that he gives us opportunity. He gives us time and time again to repent. He is very good to hold off death. He is very good to hold off judgment. He's very good to hold off judgment day on behalf of the elect. And so, beloved, let God's goodness lead you to repentance. That's the message for you this evening from the text. Let God's goodness lead you to repentance. First of all, God has been so good to wait for you to change. God has been so good to wait for you to change. Watson says this, The clemency, that means children to have mercy, uh, the clemency of a prince sooner causes relenting in a malefactor. What he's saying is, God shows his mighty power extending a golden scepter of mercy before he swings the iron rod of judgment. And you know, the the swing of the iron rod of judgment can cause a little more hesitancy. It's necessary, and in the end it will be necessary. But the extending of the scepter of mercy, clemency of the king, shows his power and authority to to forgive, to pardon, to pronounce pardon. But it's also what should make people quickly run to him. The offer of mercy stands in Christ. The offer of free grace for whosoever will respond to Christ stands. It's there for the taking. While there is still time, while today is still called today, the scriptures say. And it's a good and merciful thing that God doesn't just judge the world now completely. It's a good and merciful thing that he allows enough time for his elect to be drawn out in his mysterious providence. Twice our verse speaks of God's goodness. Two times in the verse. And one of the times, at the beginning it is said, the riches of his goodness. So not just that he's good, not just that he's doubly good, but he is rich in goodness. There's so much goodness to God in this context of giving us time. Now that Greek word here, goodness, is what we saw a few uh, sermons ago, uh, could be kindness. Uh, We saw that goodness and kindness for the Greek and the Hebrew are almost interchangeable. That is in terms of how our English uh, translation gives them to us. It can can vary. But remember when we studied kindness, what was some of the idea of kindness with this same Greek word for goodness here tonight? Serving the needs of someone else. For their benefit, serving the needs of someone else for their benefit. God is providing time to repent and change. That's our biggest need for our greatest benefit, that we could have eternal life with him. 
He could bring swift judgment. He could bring final judgment immediately. He'd be just to do so. He could decide no longer to wait. He could decide no longer to wait, not only for those who need to be saved. He could decide to wait for those, for all of us really, in terms of giving us opportunity to grow in grace and sanctification more. He could just end it now. But he holds off while the gospel is still available. So that forgiveness is still available. Remember Ephesians 4.32 was our text about, and be ye kind one to another. And uh, we saw that the latter part of the verse said, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. So God is kind. He's good to give us time. He bears with us so that we repent so that he can forgive us. The whole point of repentance is to be restored to God, that he would forgive us. Remember Psalm 86.5, the Lord is ready to forgive. He gives time. He's so patient. If you look through the whole Bible, the Old Testament history, right? If you look through Judges alone, wow, he's actually really patient. Sometimes we think, why doesn't he do anything? He's so patient. You know, we, we kind of speak, and I don't mean to be flippant or, or disrespectful, but it's really good for us that you and I are not God. Right? We'll just wipe each other out. But God waits and waits and gives more time. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. But why? So that we repent. He gives us time because we're dumb, stupid sheep. And it takes forever sometimes to get us back into the fold. Right? It's just when you think you got the sheep falling, you turn around, they're back out somewhere. You got to go back and get them again. Right? He gives time. He's patient. So that we can be forgiven. Because the whole point of giving us enough time to repent is that there's enough time that we would be forgiven by him and thus restored to him in Christ. Before it's too late and he returns as a conquering king on a white horse, Christ can still be received as merciful savior on a donkey. There's still time. He is still available To be the Savior, the merciful Prince of Peace to all who who would have peace with God, reconciliation with God through him. That is still available for you at this time, at this moment. The opportunity to repent of those disgusting sins and grow in grace and serve him better before your day is called to meet your maker is still there. Though there's an appointed time, yet That time of death and judgment is not yet. And he's so good to give us any minute we have. How many times did your heart just beat in that pause? How many times did you breathe in this service so far? And you didn't have to even think to do it. He gave you that time. That's still time. Time here now, hearing him preach the word through the earthen vessel, is time available to repent, to be saved, to be sanctified, to make better of your life than you have been. Church, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, verse 9. God waits 
long enough in his eternal timing and his plan. He's not like he's surprised. Nonetheless, he waits long enough that each of his elect will be saved, coming to him in repentance and faith. Now, Peter says that God is long-suffering. He's taking his time that all should come to repentance. Because in the next verse, Peter says Jesus will come like a thief in the night to judge the world in final vengeance and eternal consequences. And when he comes, there will be no more time. That'll be it. When that trumpet sounds, when the lightning strikes across the sky, when the thunder and the angels, they're riding back with his horses, it's over. There's no second chances at that point. It's done. The second coming of Christ, it's done. Until that moment, until the day that you are going to die, there is the opportunity to respond and be saved in repentance before he comes back like a thief in the night. But remember, we are called to respond quickly because Jesus says you don't know when he's coming. And like a thief in the night, that means to your surprise, better be ready, better be prepared. Repent today. Even as believers, repent today of things you've been meaning to get around to, things you've been meaning to get in control of, get in charge of, improve in your lives. How do you know tomorrow you won't be in a hospital bed on a ventilator and no one will be able to visit you anymore? How do you know? You have time right now, and it is good of God to give you that time. And the question is, will we repent while we can? Because that's what God's goodness is intending to lead us to repentance with the time that we have because he shouldn't give it to us at all. That is, we don't deserve it. It's so kind to give us more time. What do we say so often? I just want to add a little bit more time. He's given us a lot. But the question is, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the time that God has given you? What will you do with it? Change by turning away from your sins to God. God has been so good to wait for you to change. So change by turning away from your sins to God. Now, beloved, tonight, beloved. If you haven't truly repented of your sins and come to God in faith through Christ, now, today, tonight is the time of salvation. Redeem the time right now. Be sanctified and grow in grace in marvelous ways that you've been holding yourself back. See the sin for what it is. Be disgusted by it. Clean house and let the word of God come in to save you. Redeem the time. The days are evil and we're running out of time. You know, sometimes we say of someone, boy, they've really done a 180. And what we're describing is the person is just like a different person. They've completely changed. They've really done a 180. 180, children, you know, 180 is half of 360, right? I'll do the math here. Half one, half a, you're going this direction. You know, sometimes maybe you see some of those shows where there's a car race or somebody's driving and they realize they got to go back. A lot of times, like I do, because I forget everything anymore. I don't really do it like this, but you got to do a U turn. I'm going this way. Ah! I got to go back the other way. A 180 is, and now I'm going this way. That's repentance. 
I was going this way towards sin. And now, to be dramatic, really the way it should be, the way Thomas Watson would have us respond, here's how repentance is. You're driving really fast down the highway leading to death and destruction. And immediately God awakens you and quickens you. And here's how you respond. Well, maybe I'll get off at the next exit. No. Right? That, that is repentance. That's what God wants for repentance. A 180 U-turn. Westminster Shorter Catechism 87 explains, Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Repentance in the scripture, in the Hebrew and in the Greek, basically means a change of mind. It means a change of heart. And what comes from that is a change of life. But just like faith, repentance isn't something you do. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of mind. So perhaps... I don't know why I haven't made any progress on this. I don't know why I haven't been able to change. Because you're kind of focusing on wanting to sort of nudge the behavior when in fact there has to be a change of heart. There has to be a change of mind. And it has to happen now while there's still time. If you're not a Christian, it's time to turn around from Satan and turn toward Jesus and receive him as your Savior while you have time. God is so good to give it to you. And if you don't take it on Judgment Day and in hell, you'll be beating your breast saying, Why didn't I repent? God was good to give me more time than I needed and I never did. And now I can't because the time is up. Now is the time. Now is the time to grow in sanctification. Now is the time to serve the Lord in ways we haven't. Because we're not taking it seriously. We're not taking seriously how little time we have, and yet how much time it is as a gift of God. We will no longer despise him. It's a change of heart. Verses 1 to 3, there's this sense of taking God for granted, presuming upon God because we're the church and we're going to judge everybody else, but we don't really have to change so much. No, we always need to change a lot, beloved. There's that sense here, the Jews, Paul's speaking to the Gentiles, he's speaking to the Jews in Romans 1 through 3. He's proving that everybody needs to repent Everybody needs to take the opportunity. The time of reformation has come. Christ has come. Don't miss the Messiah. He builds the argument to Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Psalm 14.3. Psalm 53.3. We're all filthy. No one's good, not one. We all need Jesus Christ. So the whole idea of the phrase, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.23, well, we're all sinners. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, the time that we have is a 
blessed gift from God. He gives us lots of time. He takes his time with us. And yet it's going fast in relation to our life. He's got all the time in the world. He's eternal. But these are moments of eternal decisions because at some point the time is over and that decision to act or not act in response to God and repentance and faith through Jesus Christ will have an eternal consequence of time. Eternity in heaven or eternity in hell based on whether or not we will respond to him in the time that he's given us today. The devil is so good at making us waste our time and think, oh, we might have more time. Let us not despise God. God's time before the final time. Let us not be judging others for the same sins they commit without remorse. We do it and we don't worry about it. We judge everybody about it. That's what the church is often known for, right? We judge everybody else, but we're doing the same stuff. And Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount, we're guilty of all sins. Oh, maybe you didn't physically commit adultery, but you did with your eyes. You know, whatever it is, you didn't actually kill someone, but you did with your eyes. Whatever it is, we're all guilty. We're all needing to be saved. The problem is, is we don't take them that seriously. Oh, I was born in church. I'm being raised in church. And you know, and as you'll hear in the next study on the baptism, that is a privilege. That is a blessing. But never presume upon your baptism. Never presume upon being born or have been in the church for a long time now. And neglect the time that God's given you to repent truly and continually. To be saved and to grow in sanctification. And that's the concern Paul's saying in verse 4. What does he mean? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? The goodness of God is to lead you to repentance. He forbears with you. He's patient with you. But you're not taking the opportunity. You just keep on going on in your self-righteous, sinful judgment. You're not turning to Christ. You're not turning away from yourself and sin. And in the end, that broad way leads to destruction. And you're despising the goodness of God, evidenced by the fact that he gives you all this time to repent, and you're not doing it. Look how good he is to give us so much time to repent. Do you despise his goodness by a lack of responding to him in repentance? The whole point is to lead you to repentance by giving you this time in his riches of goodness. That's the idea, the context of do you not know that God's goodness is to lead you to repentance? He's saying you seem to be missing it. You seem to be despising it as if you don't need it. And time's running out. Don't take the time for granted. Don't take his goodness for granted. As you think of others, pray for them according to 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verses 25 to 26. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Pray for others that God will rescue them by virtue of granting them the gift of repentance, just like faith 
that they would give it. As the scriptures say, Lord, cause us to repent and will repent. That pray for the God to give the gift of repentance to acknowledge the truth of the gospel and what this world is all about and that time of judgment's coming. And today, to time is the time of reformation. Christ has come. That we don't give a false idea to those who have some kind of ethnic Jewish heritage that they can be waiting to build the temple. Christ has come. He destroyed the temple. It's time to come to him now. Not despise the mercy of God, giving time to repent after he's come and ignoring him. But pray also for yourself. Pray that Revelation 2, verse 21, will not be the summary of you wasting God's good time and goodness to give you more time. Jesus says, and I gave her space, speaking of one of the churches, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. I gave her space. What does it mean? I gave her time. I gave her room. I waited for her to repent. She did not repent. But it can't be said that I wasn't good enough to give her time to do so, you see. May that not be what's said of us. You don't want to be said of you, verses 5, 6, and 8 of our text tonight. Let's look at verse 5. We don't want this. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. And if we don't repent in the time God gives to us and all this goodness, we don't want what will be said of us in verse 8. But unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Verse 9, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. Instead, we want to have verse 7 said of us. That because of God's goodness to give us time to repent, it did lead us to repent. To turn from ourselves, from sin, from the world, to Christ, to his forgiveness and salvation, to the kingdom. To them, verse 7, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. If we respond to the goodness of God, the riches of God's goodness, to give us time to repent and to come to him and to seek life in Christ, who is the resurrection and the life, then the reward is that we will have all the time in the world with God in eternal life. Acts chapter 20, verse 21, Paul summarizes the gospel that he was teaching, he says there's really two sections of it. And you'll see this highlighted in our, our Good News Gospel brochure and on our page about the gospel on the website. The gospel is repentance unto God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is turning away from our sins. 
Faith is trusting the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins and to give us his righteousness for eternal life. But repentance toward God is a significant part of the gospel. The gospel preaching in Matthew always began, as you know, with what word? Repent. Jesus begins to preach. His first word is repent. He tells his apostles, preach, repent. He tells his disciples, preach, repent. Why? For the kingdom of God has come. In the first coming, the inauguration of his kingdom on earth, the kingdom is here. The time is now. The Messiah has come. And God is good to give time between the first and second coming of Christ for people to come and repent. While he is waiting for his second coming. How kind that he came the first time in person to warn of judgment and offer forgiveness by offering for you to turn away from your sins to him and offering to have him take your sins and all their filthiness upon himself in punishment on the cross and cleanse you with his blood. How kind, how good to take the time to do that and to tell you about it and give you time to respond to him. How kind, how good that he causes you to follow him all the way to heaven into eternal life. Will you? Beloved, let God's goodness lead you to repentance. That's the message for you this evening. Let God's goodness lead you to repentance. As you find yourself with more time on your hands, whatever your situation, say, God is so good to give it to me. Let me redeem the time. Let me repent and make the best use of the time. Let me give my time to God. Let God's goodness in Christ lead you to repentance. Let us pray. Lead us to repentance, Lord God. Lead us to the rock that is higher than we are. Lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ to be the author and finisher of our faith. Lead us away from sin and Satan and death and the world. Lead us out of the ridiculous idea that we have plenty of time. Lead us to redeem the time for the days are evil. Lead us to run to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You who are the way, the truth, the resurrection, and the life. You who are the narrow gate that leadeth unto life. You who are the way. Pray, Lord, that no one here tonight would go away without repenting of their sins and trusting in God with faith in Jesus Christ to be saved of them and ready to meet eternity. And pray, Lord, that you help every one of us to repent of sins that have so easily beset us that we would run a better race for Jesus Christ the author and finisher of our faith. We ask this in Jesus' name and all your people said.
Amen.